Well, hi there once again. It is I, Greg Fish, your humble host for The 116, a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. Although I must confess, I kind of fall short at those things sometimes, and so it's good to have somebody to talk to like you, and we can work through these things, and today that's what it's going to be all about. The 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Listen, we, we love it when you like us and share us on social media because it helps us get the word out to other people. Also, if you could uh, follow us or subscribe, depending upon the vernacular of the platform you are watching or listening on, if you're on YouTube, for example, subscribe. It's absolutely free, but it keeps you up to date for all of our broadcasts. And again, it helps us get the words out to others. Also, go to peoria1.com, peoria1.com for more information about us or to leave a message. And with all that out of the way, I want to welcome today's guest to our studios. Uh, It's the newest member of the Peoria First United Methodist Church family, uh, or staff family, I should say. It's uh, Kirsten Tharp. And Kirsten, welcome aboard. Kirsten is our Director of Congregational Care. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and and anxious to talk about, uh, you know, some things this morning. So Yeah, and what we're going to go into today is a topic that... uh, uh, well, it seems like I'm always saying topics that are near and dear to me. I guess I just love all the stuff we talk about in ministry, but uh, uh, it's a topic of, of grief and how in the world can we survive a blue Christmas? And I know I have been there. I suspect most, if not all of you, have been there at some time. But uh, Kirsten, let's just start with a very basic thing. How would you define a, a blue Christmas? What, is, what are we talking about here? You know, blue Christmas happens when we're experiencing the loss of something. It could be mm-hmm. oftentimes someone near and dear to our heart or something that has affected our lives. Um, and it's just not feeling very holly jolly. Sure. Um, it's you know it's it's a difficult time we we live in a world in a culture that christmas and and the holiday season it's supposed to be bright and the music is is upbeat and we're supposed to be happy and right. and celebratory and and uh-huh. sometimes that's tough Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think back to, um, there was a point in my life, just a little bit of, of my history when my, my wife passed away, uh, wife of 25 years around February. And I remember that feeling of doom as Christmas got closer. And I knew, uh, and, and, uh, I, I may tell my Christmas story here, but I, I knew Christmas was coming. I knew I had to somehow prepare myself for it for the sake of my family. And I was a pastor at that time. So for the sake of my congregation, and yet I was just really struggling because I didn't want to put up the Christmas decorations. And uh, uh, I remember going to the garage where I stored my Christmas decorations. And, and, and my wife, Barbara, loved Christmas and she loved decorations. So we had tub after tub. And I thought, well, I'm going to find, I had some Charlie Brown Christmas decorations. I'm going to find them. But as soon as I opened up the tub, I likened it. Have you ever seen the movie? Uh, uh, I've lost Indiana Jones, Raider of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Okay. Remember that scene towards the end of the movie where the Nazis open the Ark of the Covenant and all the ghosts come out and their faces melt off. Right. That's exactly what happened to me. I opened that tub, the ghosts came out, my face melted off. And I thought, I can't do this. And I slammed it shut. And uh, I'll tell the rest of the story later. But uh, have you ever been in a situation, I mean, with... Uh, 
with grief where you found yourself in a holiday situation saying, you know, I'm going to have to really pull it together for this season? You know, I'm I'm experiencing that a little bit right now myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I recently lost my dad, and right. and he was the the holiday cheer in in our house growing up. It's interesting growing up. He was not usually the most holly jolly person at Christmas time. <laughs> you know, it meant uh-huh. spending money, and he was a pretty frugal guy. And I remember coming home as a freshman in college, and we had a tradition where our uh, Christmas tree was decorated with our ornaments that we'd collected year after year. And, and each of us had a, quite a collection of ornaments by the time we left the house. And I came home as a freshman in college and my parents said, so you'll notice something a little different this year. We decided to go with a theme tree. And I, I walked into the living room where we had our Christmas tree and, and it was all decked out. It was beautiful. It looked like something out of a magazine. And that for my parents, kind of started a Christmas tradition where Christmas became bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. We never knew what they'd been out shopping for. And and it was always, always fun to see, but that's going to be missing this year. And so, you know, it, it, it is tough and, and none of us know what anybody else is going through when, when we see them on the street and, you know, greet them from day to day. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, for me, and we're coming up, as of the recording of this, we are coming up on Thanksgiving season. And that's always been a struggle for me, too, because my mom died uh, when I was 23, 24 years old, somewhere in there. Uh, she died of cancer at Thanksgiving time. And uh, so Thanksgiving has kind of been a weird thing for me over the years. And, and it, in fact, there have been times when, by my own preference, I have spent Thanksgiving all by myself. And even the, much... To my consternation, there have been a few Christmases in recent years, especially since I live at a distance from my family. And if I have to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I'm by myself. Uh, let's start there. What would you say to the person? Is this a, a healthy thing for a person to be able to, do, to decide if they want to be by themselves at, at a, a holiday time? Absolutely. We we think that what, what we see portrayed for holidays um, – is, you know, the families and the gatherings and all the food. And, and, you know, that's, that's a kind of a typical thought process here in the United States for a holiday. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, it's okay to do you. I I, I think that's a, a huge takeaway is you do you, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're comfortable with, that's where you need to spend your holiday. And it may mean that your family doesn't understand that, and that's okay too. If you're comfortable with your decision, then that's exactly what you should be doing on that holiday. Yeah. To, to uh, step into uh, the role of Linus from the Peanuts, I think one of the big problems that we face is the fact that our holidays have been so overly commercialized. And so these certain images of the holiday have come out and have become important to us. Like, for example, as a kid, I would have told you that it's important to have a white Christmas, even though most Christmases in southern Indiana tended to be rainy rather than, than white. But I had this image in my mind. How, do you think that's a big factor? Is the commercialization of the season something 
that has put a false image of what holidays should be in our minds? Absolutely. I think both the commercialization and now we have social media on top of it. So we not only see the ads on TV that started weeks ago. I mean, we've been seeing Christmas in the stores uh, for several weeks and and things as well. So we're surrounded and bombarded by it very early on before, well before Halloween and, and things like that. Add to that social media, and everybody takes the perfect family photo where everybody's smiling right. in the perfect house, and and are showing you their gatherings, and and that's one tiny snapshot of what their day consisted of. Yeah, I, I guess you know, and to to borrow another imagery that may be foreign to some of our listeners and and, and viewers, uh, but I'm a fan of the Marvel uh, universe uh, movies, and towards the end of the big. Uh, thing they were leading up to a a bad guy named Thanos snapped his finger and half of all living things disappeared. And I thought that is great, a great metaphor for how sometimes we can be on the outside when we're looking at somebody who's struggling. It's like snap out of it and half your problems will disappear. You know, uh, is it possible for somebody to just snap out of it? You know, it's really, really not. We'd like it to be that way. We'd like to be able to go on a grief journey Uh and know that, Tomorrow, this is what we should expect. The following day, this is what we should expect. And then we're going to wake up on this day and we're going to feel much, much better. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, grief is something that just doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've seen imagery of what people think grief is and it looks like a like a hill, like you're you're approaching it and then you get to the top and you come down to the bottom. Unfortunately, what grief really looks like is kind of like a, a, a two-year-old scribble on a paper. You can go through different phases of grief. You can revisit them. It, it, it just, it's, it's not pretty. It's not straight. It's not a, a clear path. And so as much as we'd love to have that finger snap, it just doesn't exist. I think, I think my journey with grief has been interesting, too, because um, I, I'm kind of the uh, uh, Enneagram 4 kind of I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but uh, the Enneagram 4 is a personality that feels deeply and um, has very deep emotions. It can go to some really dark places and stay there for a while and actually survive it. Uh, you know, this is kind of where our how our mind works. It doesn't say, mean that I necessarily like those times, but I, I, I get that feeling. And so I, I can understand going and plumbing the depths of, of our feelings. But uh, sometimes looking off from the outside, People don't really get that. Uh, and, and I know, for example, it's interesting when you mentioned social media. When you watch social media, how differently people who are dealing with grief will deal with it. And some people need to post a lot of pictures of their loved ones. They'll post uh, daily reminders of it's been, you know, four days since, you know, right. or, you know, it's been two years. And it's just so is, is there any standard way of understanding somebody's grief? You know, Grief is so different for each person. Grief is very individual. There's no one right way, one prescribed way. Some people may be able to breeze through grief. Some people may battle grief for years and years. The other thing is we experience all kinds of different losses. And you may have been through a loss that of a, of a loved one but they maybe weren't quite as close to you as is it another person and so you think you're going to handle the grief like you did last time but it's not the same sure. so you're dealing with you know 
people's different personalities along with different losses. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think we're we're all dealing with losses. We're dealing with grief on top of grief because of, of COVID and the pandemic. And yes. we have all lost things that we don't even realize that we're grieving right now. But everybody's walking around in some mild state of grief. So you're seeing a lot more of that. Then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the other thing that's really coming about is people haven't had a normal way to grieve. So the pandemic caused people not to be able to go to the hospital and mm-hmm. be with their loved one if they were ill. It, they've not had to have, or they've not had the opportunity to have a funeral or a large gathering or, or even a meal. And, and so people who have been through a loss on top of that loss didn't get to grieve it in what they felt was a normal way. And so mm. they're carrying grief even longer and it's just not, it, it, it's a strange time. So, so, what I hear you saying then is it is okay to let people grieve as they need to grieve. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was surprised one time I was in a group of pastors and I had one of the pastors knowing that I had lost my wife. He was dealing with somebody in his congregation who he felt like the grief was going on a little bit too long. And he, he turned to me and said, so it's about normal. After three months, you should start getting back to normal, right? And, uh, well, you know, first of all, setting timelines are, as you know, are, are tricky on this. Um, I heard this from a counselor that I saw. So, you know, the first year you can count on being just an extraordinarily rough experience. The second year you're starting to say, oh, wait a minute, I can adjust to this. That By the third year you should be feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get this down. I'm learning how to live life in this situation. Uh, with that in mind, though, uh, is there a point in time when you need to be concerned about somebody that is just completely absorbed in their grief? You know, that that absolutely can happen. And I it becomes a, a very serious concern when somebody starts to not want to live and want to go on. You know, certainly somebody who's having those feelings of when you and I want to be careful how I phrase that, because sure. when you say I just can't go on without this person, I, I'm just too sad. You may feel that way, but it's when you have a plan to take your own life. That's where it mm. becomes concerning. And, you know, if anybody's ever talking like that, they need help right away. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know. Grief can go on for a long period of time. You you mentioned the one year, two year, three year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the one year is that that first year is, is tough for most people. Sometimes people either either go one of two ways. That second year, things are a little bit better. Or sometimes the second year is even harder than the first, which is really difficult for people to hear because they, they think, you've, I've made it through that first year and all of those firsts. But the second year, that reality sets in. And that can be harder for people to deal with. But then by that third year, typically people are moving to a place where they are starting to feel a little bit better. They've They've are adjusting to life in a new way. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because we're all made differently, like like for me, one of the things was after that first year, I knew I needed to wait a year, but I started longing for companionship again. I wanted somebody in my life, and that made people around me uncomfortable. I had some people come to me and say, don't you think it's too soon? Now, what I would usually respond is, you mean too soon for you? Uh, <laughs> when it comes to this stuff, there really is no set truth as to when it's right to move forward and how we move forward. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. There's, you know, what, and, and what one person sees as, as 
comfortable, may make another person, like you said, uncomfortable. But once again, you need to do you. You need to be who you are and what feels right for you in the moment. Okay. So let's uh, let's approach it from the, uh, the vantage point, if you want to call it that, of the person who is grieving this holiday season. Perhaps they have a fresh grief or maybe it's, a, it's an older one. Uh, are you finding there are some typical things that you would advise people as they face the holidays to uh, to to adjust their their spirit to their emotions to how how should we frame the holiday season from from the point of view that I'm really grieving it and I'm not sure I can make it so I think the number one thing is to give yourself grace a lot of times mm. it helps to kind of look toward the holidays and and make a plan ahead of time. Wow. Um, Make that plan, how you think you might react, but then give yourself grace. So if you're invited to a holiday party, for instance, you know, that might be something that you're used to doing as a couple, and now you're by yourself. And accept that invitation loosely. So maybe tell the host or hostess that you, you plan to come, but if you're having a day that that just doesn't feel right, please let them know and and let them know that it's just not going to happen that day. Give yourself some grace. Now, now, okay, so this is this gets interesting, though. So what if you're in the shoes of the friend who's invited this person, and in your mind you're like, they need to be around people. They, you know, they need the laughter and they need the joy. Is that really the right perspective to take if somebody begs off like that? That's what we want it to be. We want to be able to be, we think we're helping that person. We want that, that person, mm. we think they need that person to, to experience those things. And if they can just set foot in the door, they'll feel better. But what we need to really do is trust that person and their own emotions. And as that friend, we have to be willing to give them some grace. Mm. So it's, it's a matter of being okay with being okay. Yeah. And, and part Pardon me for interjecting. I guess I've had so many things in my experiences that, that speaking to this, um, here, here's something that really made a difference for me. That first Thanksgiving after my wife died, I did not, because again, Thanksgiving for me was tough anyway. I, I didn't want to be around anybody. What I did is I wanted to take that time to write. That's the season when I began writing my first book. And I was a pastor at that time. And that made the people in my congregation and my family very uncomfortable. It was really hard for them. And uh, there was a lady in the congregation who wanted to bring by food to me. And she brought me this huge plate of food during the day. And I will tell you, that was just right. I really appreciated that. Uh, she respected me enough to let me have my space, but yet showed care and love and concern for me. And that's one thing I guess I would say is find the little love gift you can give to a person without insinuating yourself in to their plans, right? Absolutely. That that was perfect. You needed you needed that time, you needed that space, but I'm sure you appreciated that yes. that gift of that meal. And yes. you know, lo- another thing that people will do is they turn to helping others. Um, sometimes that's that can be kind of soothing when you're grieving rather than taking on your normal traditions, go out and and help someone else. Um, Great point. And you can, you know, you can volunteer, you can deliver meals on wheels, you can do a lot of different things. Yes. So. Yeah. And I think we undervalue that because I've, the best way to get your mind off of your own troubles is to help somebody else in theirs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if somebody were to uh, come to you and say, uh, what types of things, exercises, like, you know, exercise is good for us. It makes us healthier. What kind of emotional, spiritual, and physical exercises can we add to our life to get us into the mode of, 
of recovery and not constantly dwelling in the land of, and I'm going to use a harsh term, but self-pity, because that can happen. I mean, we want to respect people in their grief, but let's also understand that in our grief, we can really become overcome to an unhealthy degree in that grief. So, so um, uh, I, I've kind of lost my question. I'll let you just take it you from know, here. <laughs> at, at, you know, when it comes to things that we can do to, to start really caring for ourselves, and, and, and I think actually forcing yourself to sit down and deal with your grief. That's that's key. We don't want to. We don't like to do things that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We don't like to do things that feel hard. But I think if you can, it, the only way to get through grief is to go through it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, getting out your Bible, getting into the word, you know, finding finding that place with God and and hearing those scriptures of how you know he he has this and um, that's a great place to start I know a lot of people a lot of people who like to write journal and uh, just sit down and and you don't even have to have anything you know just start writing down something silly and you may find mm, that mm. you start writing and those feelings and emotions start coming out on paper yeah. and I think you know, the other thing is just we oftentimes we're in a busy society. So sometimes just sit, be, and take that deep breath. When things start to feel too big, take that deep cleansing breath. Do that several times. Recenter, refocus, and, you know, move on to the next thing. That, that is so good. And, I, you know, I hadn't thought about the journaling aspect when you mentioned, but uh, I, I have kind of come to believe that it's good to leave a record for those who come after you, especially your family, because in them dealing with their situations, in, in the loss of you, uh, it might be helpful to them to learn how you navigated the loss of the ones that you struggled with as well. Now, there, there is, you brought up something too that I think is kind of, um, I, I, I'm not sure I like this term, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, but uh, the thing that's just kind of really obvious here, and from people, we, we're approaching this from a spiritual perspective as well. We are, are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that's something that we take very seriously. However, and I've heard this said, there is this idea that if you have faith in Jesus and if you read your Bible and pray and believe Scripture, then you will not struggle with grief, but you will be an overcomer. Now, you will become an overcomer. And you will find victory, but is that a, a, a drastic mistelling of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I think I think it's a it's an easy thing for people to say. It's a harder thing for people to do. Thank you. Yes. And I think when we're looking for a fix, we're looking for something quick. Mm-hmm. And grief doesn't work like that. Grief isn't just instant, okay, we're fine, we're better. And so when we turn to the scriptures and, and things, you may you may find yourself pretty angry with God before you come to a place of peace with God again. That's not that's not uncommon. And it's okay to get angry with God. Yeah. As long as you yes. surround yourself with with other people and and keep in the word in the scripture because you will get to a place where you will find peace again. Yeah. There's this great scene in one of the classic movies, Forrest Gump. This is the second podcast in a row where I've mentioned this movie, by the way, my apologies to the listeners. Uh, a great scene where 
Lieutenant Dan is uh, he's come out to go shrimping with Forrest Gump and a great storm comes up and he's at the in the crow's nest and he's really angry he's lost both of his legs and he's very angry and he cusses God out and he yells at God and says come and get me you know and shakes his fist at the heavens and then in the next uh, scene after the storm has come to peace Forrest makes the uh, analysis that Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God, and he was at peace after that. Now, I remember when I first saw that, that kind of offended me in the spirit because you shouldn't shake your fist at God. But over time, I've realized God can handle our anger just fine. That's why he makes grace, right? So for somebody who's dealing with anger, is that okay? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 And, And you feel anger, um, that's one of the emotions that oftentimes are associated with grief. It's okay to become angry with God. And, mm-hmm. and you may find you, you turn away from that for a little bit. But it's surrounding yourself with those people that bring you back. It's surrounding yourself right. with the word. And, and just you'll, you'll get to a point where you return to that. Very good. So let's talk a few brass tacks then for those who are... Um facing the holiday season with a, a severe loss or, and I don't know why this happens, but it seems like there's losses over the holidays seem to be more prevalent. I know back in my radio days, it seemed like there were always more obituaries over Christmas time than any other time. I don't know why, the, if there was anything scientific about that. Um, but the fact is if, if we're talking with somebody who hasn't dealt with a major loss, that's not an unthinkable. And especially, in this time with COVID and what it's doing to our people, it's just a really unpredictable thing. So as we face these holidays, are there uh, some things that you would say, put these things in place in your life uh, to help you to have as healthy of a holiday season as possible, despite what may be going on uh, for you emotionally? You know, I think, I, I think we need to take care of ourselves, take care of our bodies, take care of our, our person, both mentally and physically. We need to, that needs to be, you know, something we do on a day-to-day basis anyway. Right. But I think, you know, during the holidays, we allow ourselves to become so much more stressed. Uh, like I said in the beginning, if even if you're not grieving, the holidays are stressful. We mm-hmm. allow ourselves to get that way. So, I think setting realistic expectations, sit down before the holidays and make that list of what is really important to you. What are the have tos that it will not be Thanksgiving or it will not be Christmas in my home without this? And then maybe reevaluate that list. And then from there, make realistic expectations. Beyond that, make sure that you're getting enough sleep, you're drinking enough water, you're getting that physical activity. You know, holidays, it's it's really fun to have all those foods that we don't let ourselves have <laughs> through the, the rest of the year. And, yes. And, uh, but be mindful of, you know, salads still exist in, uh, in December, so. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, so let's talk about setting up healthy things for your family to help them in the future, because I think that's one of the things that in, in dealing with the, the loss of my wife, there were actually a lot of things that she set me up for. And let me kind of finish that story off to tell you where I'm going here. But on that, that last Christmas, uh, instead of going to the containers, I saw a, a Christmas tree that we'd always left decorated and we'd package it up in plastic. And it was one of these little thin Christmas trees. It was a uh, 
kind of realistic, but really prickly needles on it and not a very pleasant one to handle. But I thought that's the perfect because it's decorated. I don't have to worry about it. So I got back to my apartment and I opened it up and realized that the Christmas before Barbara had decided next year, I want different decorations on it. And she had taken all of the decorations off. And so I thought, oh, but I pulled it out and it was, you know, I had a nice little rice light. So I turned those on and they were twinkly. And I thought that's a perfect metaphor for me. Empty, but beautiful. I'm going to accept that as a metaphor for how I, I am this Christmas. Yeah. I know beautiful. I don't mean beautiful in a self-obsessed sort of way, but just to understand the beauty God put in me. And so I'm sitting there on the couch looking at it. And all of a sudden I noticed something in the lower reaches of the Christmas tree. And that's never good because, you know, rodents. And so I thought, oh, and so I got a little bit closer and realized that that one of the decorations that she had put on the Christmas, my my wife loved hearts and hearts were an important part of our life. Back when we were dating, we'd sit in church and draw hearts on the back of each other's hands for the I love you thing and in church and, you know, silly things like that. And there at the bottom of that Christmas tree was one heart. And it was if she were telling me, Greg, it's going to be okay. So I took it out and put it in a very prominent place on the tree. And some people have have said, oh, she knew, and she left that for you. I'm not so sure because Barbara was a fighter. She, But I do think it definitely it was divine that God left that there for me because I needed that signal. Have you found with your family or with just in general, are there some good things we can do to help our family to put things, measures in place so our family in the future can move on because there's going to come the day when they move on without us, without being morbid, without being said, well, kids, someday I'm going to be gone. What are some practices we can put in place over the holiday season to help future-proof our family from uh, as much as we can from becoming overcome with grief? Sure. You know, I I think we need to, the number one thing I think is as a family, we, death and dying is something we don't like to talk about. Nobody likes to talk about it. It's, it's not a happy, you know, not necessarily a happy subject. And so I think the more that we can talk about things, um, as a family, you know, if you've experienced a, you know, a friend or, or something like that, and, and not necessarily speak to your own mortality, but, just have that open dialogue with others. Uh, we don't do that as, enough as a society. I think, too, those traditions, they become more important, but, right. but picking and choosing and and letting letting your family have those little special things that may come about that realize that, you know, it's, it is okay. I, I am here. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an ornament. Maybe it's, um, you know, something that, that a, a song or a Christmas t- show on TV that you always sit down and watch together uh-huh. as a family. Maybe that's something that, you know, it's a good tradition to continue on. But I think I think just having those conversations um, and, and being open to having those conversations is huge. Yeah. Um, let's, let's wrap this up by, um, and by the way, this has been therapy for me too, because it's always good to talk about these things and to kind of work them out in conversation. Uh, I'm a talker, hence I do stuff like this. Uh, <laughs> I want you to just kind of look into the camera there and talk to the person who is uh, really looking for help, who is sinking and said, I, 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 I don't know how I'm going to do this. Uh, just talk to that person for a moment and, and uh, tell them what's on your heart for them as they face Christmas and Thanksgiving.
So as these holidays approach and, and we have ideas in our heads and things, I just, I want everybody to know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say no. It's okay to, even if no one else is giving you this vibe, I'm here to tell you that it is okay to do what you need to do during the holiday season. It may not look normal. It may offend someone uh, for reasons that you don't understand. It it may just not be your year, and that is okay. Mm. Wow, that's great. That's great. Uh, and if uh, somebody is struggling in uh about to go under any route of say, you know, here's some places you can go for help. I'm, and one of the things I'm thinking about is, are they free to contact you? Absolutely. I'm, I'm always here to talk. I've got several resources and, and things like that. Please, please reach out if you are feeling, you know, hopeless to the point of, of suicide. Always, always reach out. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not the answer. And, um, but beyond that, if you're if you're just not feeling like you know quite what to do, um, you can reach me here at the church, and uh, happy to to talk with with you at any time. Yeah, and, and and let me just say too, from a dude perspective, guys, it's okay to see a counselor. I've I've seen a counselor now for years, and it's just been very helpful to me with my makeup, but it, it's okay. It's all right to talk with somebody. It really, I mean, it, it it's probably the most manly thing you can do is to admit that uh, you need to get stronger. And uh, that can certainly help. Well, Kirsten, thank you so very much. This has been a powerful conversation for me. And uh, we look forward to working with you more in the future. Right. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. All right. This has been great, folks. Thank you so very much for coming along. Listen to 116. We're a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. And we are a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Although, again, keep in mind, even if you're way yonder outside of our church's reach and you have no one to talk to, contact us. Contact Kirsten. She would be glad to talk more with you. You've got friends here who are more than happy to spend some time thinking through some things with you. Uh, And this is one of the reasons why we encourage you to like us and share us on social media so more people can uh, get the encouragement they need. And go to PeoriaOne.com for more information about us and to leave us a message. That's the best way to contact us. There are contact forms all over the place as well as a phone number there if you need that. So PeoriaOne.com is a great resource for you. My name is Greg Fish. Thank you so very much for coming along today. It has been an extraordinary pleasure to have you with us and we'll see you again the next time on the 116.